Welcome to the Western New York Entrepreneur Podcast, helping Western New York entrepreneurs take the next step in their business. If you love Western New York and entrepreneurship, this is the podcast for you. Whether you have been in business for 20 years or 20 minutes, there is something for everyone. David Schaub interviews the top entrepreneurs in Western New York so you can take your next step in your own business. Hey everyone, welcome to another podcast episode of the Western New York Entrepreneur. Today we have a really awesome guest, uh, Dan Henderson, who's a serial entrepreneur. But before we dive into today's episode, I really want to talk about an event that's coming up right now. We have an event on September 18th. So chances are by the time you're listening to this episode, we might be already sold out. So if you haven't, it's actually in Tonawanda. It's on the Niagara River. All the profit from the general admission tickets, uh, which are $10, um, if they're not sold out already, are 100% donated to Discover 716 Nonprofit. So if you love in-person networking, you're like me, you're ready just to get things back to a new normal, I'll say. Uh, why don't you check it out at the WNY Entrepreneur website, which is WNYEntrepreneur.com. But anyways... Let's get back to our guest, uh, Dan Henderson. How are you this morning, buddy? I'm doing great, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. And I really appreciate you. And when we originally met with Dan about the podcast and just to learn about who he is, it was a really fascinating story about how he became who he is today. He's a serial entrepreneur. So Dan, for those that don't know who you are, what you do, what kind of what your story is in terms of entrepreneurship, why don't you share that with us? Yeah. So my first experience with entrepreneurship, I was introduced to sales back when I was working for a local municipality for a town. And it was kind of a foreign concept because I grew up in a household where my mom was a nurse and my dad was a policeman. So Half my family was nurses, doctors, lawyers, college. The other half was blue collar and uh, municipal work. So it was kind of a foreign concept to me. So I, I kind of got bit by the the entrepreneur bug, you know, and fell in love with it. I had gone to college four years to a two year school. I uh, never fully, never officially graduated. Was taking business classes and was learning from professors theories about running a business. But I was more interested in practical applications. So I'd go and get jobs in places to learn how they operated. And then began to start our own business, opened up our, our first company. Uh, my wife and I, when we got married, uh, opened up a painting company, residential painting company. And it was awesome being able to work from home. It was a dream of ours when we first got married. Then the crash happened in 2008, right? And so that was our first experience with an economic change that, that put a huge hurt on the construction field. And at that time, we had clients asking if we took credit cards as a form of payment, and we didn't. And so we went out to try and figure out what that was going to entail. And we couldn't get an honest answer about the fees and the costs of taking credit cards. So I told Lori, when, while I'm still trying to do some paint work, why don't you find a company, sign up as a rep, and at least we'll know what we're paying in fees. And then we started reaching out to friends and family that own businesses and running cost comparisons. And lo and behold, we ended up building a company out of the credit card processing industry, selling off the painting and moving forward. So that kind of began our serial entrepreneurship. Yeah, that's, not, that's actually really cool. So I noticed that a lot of entrepreneurs see a problem and it, it just on our gene to attack that problem. It kind of becomes a passion because you're like, I don't want somebody to go through this again. Or if I have this problem, others have to have this problem, which means like, okay, I can solve this and make a business out of it. So that, that's that's actually really cool. And that's kind of how this podcast started, Dan. I just noticed that, you know, a lot of times at, at the same networking events, we've seen the same 80% or 80% of the people that kind of go there. And there's nothing wrong with that. Compound relationship's good, but I don't believe I like to meet new people. And then, you know, anyways, I, I can keep going on the road about why we started this podcast, but it's kind of the same thing. 
So what's your background prior to that? Like, did you go to school for entrepreneurship? Did you, was it in your family? Like, tell us a little about that background. Uh, it really wasn't. You know, I was encouraged to go to school by my parents. I went to college, uh, four years to a two-year school. I went to ECC. I never fully graduated because I was always working full-time because I'd get jobs in, in industries and businesses that I wanted to learn how they operated. I never ended up graduating. I ended up just going out into the field and, and starting to work. And like, you know, most entrepreneurs, you get excited about an opportunity or a thought or an idea and you want to make it happen, but you don't really necessarily know how to how to run a business, how to how to operate that part of it. So a lot of it was learning along the way, right? School of hard knocks. But it was something that I was passionate about. And, you know, we my wife and I, when we see we see an opportunity to be able to serve people, perhaps in an industry where there's a disservice going on. We pray about it. And then to, when we get to a point where we feel compelled to serve people in that industry, that's when we build a business in it. So, yeah. So not to get too personal, I mean, we get pretty personal on this podcast sometimes. So it wouldn't be the first, that's for sure. Dan. Sure. But what do you think was the biggest lesson you had to learn growing, you know, growing through your entrepreneurship career? <laughs> well, it, it, it kind of comes back to one of the questions that we get all the time is how how, how can you and your wife work together? Uh, you, you'd be surprised how many people can't picture working together with their spouse. And I actually think that that's, that was the thing we had to learn in the beginning that that created a fundamental basis, right? So we're a faith-based family. We, you know, we have a belief in a, a belief in a God greater than us, right? So that gave us initial direction. But in order to make it work, we had to work together, right? So learning to work together was an absolutely fundamental part of our business and communicating through it and being able to grow it together. You know, every business that we built, we built together. So any, so any tips for uh, for entrepreneurs out there that are thinking about, A, starting a business with your wife or our husband, or, you know, or just, you know, maybe you're going through, maybe you're you're like me and my wife, where sometimes we're such opposite personalities. It's like, she's more of like patient, let's think this out. I'm more of like, let's pull the trigger. A good plan today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow. And she's more of a perfect plan is better than a good plan today. So anything you want to give us for? Well, for that's the beauty of the balance that comes from the relationship, right? I'm the same way. I'm I'm thinking multidimensionally, right? Sometimes my wife tells me that I'm talking about something like it's going to happen right now. But in my head, I'm thinking about three or five years from now. Mm -hmm. So having that good balance of reality and excitement, right? But at the same time, I would say the best advice is probably to, one, to pray about everything, right? Two, have defined roles. Who's going to do what so that you never have one person pulling rank on the other? Trust me, that's no good for a relationship. Yeah, don't don't ever pull rank. That's really good. Uh, you'll lose. And just making sure that you shut the door on it. You know, we we built all our businesses from home. We work from home. We have a home office. The most important thing to do is shut the door on it at whatever time you're done working, because it's very easy for it to trickle into the rest of the family, right? You're spending family time, but you're staring at your phone, checking emails, trying to separate that. And that's a that's a constant balance. And, and it's a, a struggle. You know, our kids are 12 and 14 now, so now they have phones. And so here we are trying to teach them not to always be on their device. But we have to set that example. So, yeah, it's tough, right? Because you're like, well, it's different. You're 12. I'm I'm an adult that has multiple things going on that are actually important that pay the bills and puts food on your table, right? But you're right. You got to lead by example. You can't Correct. say, uh, do as I, don't do as I do. But that being said, so I love that. So like stay in, for me, my wife, we say stay, stay on your pillow. I forgot what book we got that from, but it's ex so sometimes I'll be like, hey, I thought we were doing this. She goes, Dave, stay on your pillow. And I'm like, all right, get on. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. There's uh, her pillow, my pillow, and then the middle pillow is our relationship. Stay on your pillow. But that being said, man, a lot of people, I think, there's this uh, myth that you have to have all this capital to get started, right? Or you have to take out a loan to start a business, especially if there's something that you have to put forward 
to start. So what are your thoughts on that? How did you guys find capital to get started? I love that question. And I, I probably get that every couple of months. We didn't. One of the biggest mistakes that I, I see entrepreneurs make, and I try and talk them out of it when I can, is they go out and they take on debt in order to start a business. Um, I always use landscaper as an example, right? So they go out and they buy a $50,000 truck and they buy a $50,000 trailer full of equipment. So they're a hundred grand in the hole before they go and sell their first lawn to cut. And at 30 bucks a cut minus gas, it takes a long time to recoup that that money. So what we did when we started our painting company was I would work during the day at my, my daytime job and I'd go and paint a couple of rooms at night, right? Because the only thing I needed was a couple drop cloths and a paintbrush and a roller. And then once we made enough money on that first couple of jobs, then I could afford to buy some taller ladders so that we could get a little bit higher. So I was able to afford to buy a paint sprayer. Now we could do exterior work. And so we organically grew the business. Uh, we're notorious for starting and building businesses with little to no capital. So same thing with our credit card business when we started that. It was more time spent in knowledge than it was upfront costs. And and as we started in real estate, same thing. I heard the uh, podcast you did with Joe Farage uh, a little while back, and you guys had talked about the benefits of spending money on things like postcard campaigns, because you could do a couple of those for the cost of uh, something in an envelope. Making smart decisions like that to best spend your money in places that can grow your business. Yeah, and I think that's so smart. And I want to bounce an idea off you. So for me, my thoughts always when you start a business is too many people make this, um, they take too long to make decisions and a business can't withstand, you know, if things aren't working, they don't take four months to change it. Or there, a lot of times we're spending money on things that aren't instant, especially in the beginning of business. So what are your thoughts on that or any, any theories or anything you want to add to that? You absolutely have to be willing to evolve. We've watched this over the last, let's say, 10 years and certainly over the last six months with our credit card processing clients, right? We have businesses that are in all different industries from restaurant to retail, to e-commerce, to service. And the businesses, we've been talking to businesses for years about things like online ordering and mobile apps and stuff. And the businesses that didn't want to change, they wanted to fight it, are the ones that are struggling to stay open today. You have to be willing to evolve in business, right? Now, that doesn't mean that you, you adjust your principles. You know, your principles should always stay the same. Ours, honesty, integrity, and personal service. But but you have to be willing to kind of go, with, I don't want to say go with the flow, but willing to evolve. Whether it's technology, whether it's practices, what whatever. I would say that that's probably, probably the biggest thing. Be willing to. Yeah. So you also own a real estate business. And which one came first? The credit card process? I think real estate came after. Credit card processing business. So the credit card processing business was built based out of a need, right? So we needed to take credit cards. We also needed to supplement our income because the construction field had dropped in 2008. We had found a need where other businesses felt like they were getting screwed over and, and we needed to be a light in the dark for a very, very dark industry. Um, we used to joke and say that, you know, I got dirty looks from used car salesmen when I told them what I do. So that business is what we built. And over the last 10, 12 years, we've grown that into, we've personally written and managed over $1 billion in processing volume. And so because of that, that allowed us to be able to pursue other passions. So real estate was something that Lori and I always had an interest in. She likes design. I love construction. And, and we knew at some point we'd build that, build that business. A couple of years ago, we had several people come to us and say that they were having a hard time finding a home. The realtor wasn't helping them. So we started helping them find homes, but we weren't licensed at the time. So we didn't get any compensation for it. And uh, I told Lori, I think it's time that we start praying about this industry and going into it. And um, so we had both gotten licensed as agents, had started building a business. And because we're entrepreneurs, we knew at some point we would want to build our own brokerage. And so at the turn of this year, we launched Henderson Real Estate, which is our own real estate brokerage. 
And then over the course of the next several months, we'll start building out an agent program, bringing on agents and, and again, maintaining those same principles, honesty, integrity, and personal service. No, that's really good. So uh, what's next there in terms of that endeavor? Bringing on agents. You know, we, we again want to set a high standard, you know, the way that we treat clients. One of the biggest issues I see in that industry is, is a lot of realtors go into business part-time, right? They get their license and they want to do some part-time real estate deals. And part-time is okay. Part-time time is okay. Full-time commitment is important. Too many people get treated like a hobby and not like a client. They treat their business like a hobby instead of a business. And so one of the things that we want to do is make sure that that the agents that want to come work with us want to build a book of business, want to build themselves a real business. So that's going to be that next step. We will eventually be getting into renovating homes. I refuse to use the term flip. We will renovate, restore, and resell because that's that's our passion. Um, that's something that we absolutely love. And if we end up doing some filming in between on some of those projects, um, hopefully at some point we'll end up with with that as well. So no, I love it. So that being said, with all these businesses, you know, from painting, credit card processing to real estate, all the above, which is awesome. What do you think your big key to success is or a couple of keys to success that you'd like to share with our audience here? Well, for us, again, we're a faith-based family. So we pray about everything. We discuss everything. You know, again, that was another big thing uh, with Lori and I at the helm of each business, having good communication. Family is is really big for us. So we're um, we're a homeschool family. We've been homeschooling the last three years, and it's allowed us some unique opportunities working from home. Our kids being from uh, being at home, and as a result of that, our daughter it's allowed our daughter the opportunity to be able to take her passion in cake decorating and design to building out Taste Cakery, which is her own business where she's actually creating her own recipes and, and creating cakes for people. All of that to be said, for us it was not only creating opportunities for our family to, to, to thrive, but creating opportunities for our children to decide something that they want to do and build out from there, giving them opportunities to grow, creating a, a platform in which they have options, opportunities, and can see something other than just a, a cookie cutter way of thinking. So, yeah. So that being said, for the parents that have kids, you know, or children, whatever you want to call it, you know, maybe they own a business. What do you, any tips you want to give? Cause I don't know about you. Sometimes I'm like, Oh no, do this or do that. Sometimes you want to like, even though it's their idea, their passions, I like the, I guess I'll just be forward, try to control things. Yep, yep, <laughs> you know, yep. that's, that's one of my, my weaknesses sometimes, right? So and any thoughts that you want to share with the parents that maybe their kids would like, maybe they voice, they want to start a business. Any, any ideas that you want to share with those? Um, I would encourage the parents to listen. My son, I see a lot of myself in my son. He's 12 years old and he's got a notebook that we started several years ago. When he comes up with a, a neat idea, something something wild, crazy, whatever, we encourage him to write it down, draw it out, and we talk about it. And, um, you know, I used to do the same thing and I used to get picked on when I was younger for for doing that. And what was a goofy idea at the time was just a, a brain exercise that led me into building businesses. So I would definitely encourage parents to do that. I know given our, our current situation time with COVID, a lot of families are looking at schooling from home. Um, I know it's going to be tough. It is it is not natural for everybody. I'll say I won't say it isn't for everybody, but it's not comfortable for everybody. For us, we embraced it. And it was not something that we were looking forward to in the beginning, but as a result, turned out to be a great blessing for our family, not just in the way our kids learn, but in the time that we got to spend with them. Because let's be honest, you blink and they're grown up and moved out. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times, you know, I just think that instilling core values of what you guys are all about, I think is amazing. I think it's cool because if if you don't, someone else will. 
Correct. That, that's for sure. Correct. So either um, you're their biggest influence or the world will be their biggest influence. Yeah. And, and you know, either way, you know, uh, what's your answer? <laughs> you're right. So I think that's awesome. So for me, whenever someone gives me a business idea, I'm, I'm like, like your son or you, like where I just type, I'll literally like a, a three page business plan. I'll just like print it out, hand it to them versus maybe I should listen to them a little bit more or do this with them. But I'm like, oh, I'll just tell you what to do. Here you go. And if you do it, don't do it my way, then you know, forget you then. Right. right. So I think that's, um, I think that's really cool. It's a really good tip with listening because that's something I could definitely get better at. One of the things that I, I always make sure to ask somebody who's thinking about starting a business, is I try and get their commitment level. You know, I, I tell them, you know, are you willing to commit to doing this for something other than a paycheck? Because the reality is, statistically speaking, most businesses fail within the first three, three to five years, right? So I tell them, you have to be prepared to build this business without taking a paycheck, let's say hypothetically for three years. Now, you may actually make some money but you can't call it a real full-time business probably for about three years. So you have to be willing to do that business for something other than the paycheck, because if tomorrow you don't get paid, you need a reason to come back the next day and mm -hmm. keep going. And then eventually it will get to a point where, what do they say? Um, you have to work twice as hard for half as much to get to a point where you work half as hard for twice as much. Yeah. Right. I agree with you. In fact, you know, the first year and a half of doing this podcast, I lost money. Yep. You got to buy equipment, you're buying people yep. drinks and foods at networking events and, you know, we've donated money. So things of that nature, we, uh, it's, it's definitely, you have to agree. Cause sometimes you're like, why am I spending 12 hours while, while my other business is doing this? Right. But when you have a passion for something, it just feeds it a little bit more. And so, that's the important yeah. of the passion. And that's, that's why, you know, we, we went from passion to profit. You know, it, it was something that we did because we wanted to, because we wanted to serve others because we love on people. The fact that we ended up building a business out of it and making money out of it was a bonus. It wasn't the ultimate goal. We didn't set out to say, we want to do this to make a million dollars. We said, we want to do this to serve people. And then what, we, what we're blessed with, we are. Yeah, I love it, man. I, I just love that, that uh, what you said there. It's awesome. So how did you know it was time to take a leap, by the way, like going to a different business or taking, because a lot of times, a lot of us are risk adverse, right? Correct. So when do you, like, in your opinion, when do you know it's time to take a leap in, in general terms? Every business is different. One of the things I learned early on, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, personal development, right? So when we were talking about education and stuff, personal development was a big thing. Audiobooks for me because I'm dyslexic. Um, I'm better at listening than reading, although my wife might argue with the listening part. Um, <laughs> but one of the things I learned early on from Robert Kiyosaki was the difference between risk and risky, right? Risk can be calculated. Risky is just foolish. And so when we were going from part-time painting to full-time painting, we had to wait until we got to a point where we had enough work lined up to be able to do so, right? Credit card processing. Before we sold the painting company, we needed to build a book of business large enough that it supplemented our income with the painting industry. Those were based on need. Again, with real estate, it was more of just a desire to, to help others, and we didn't necessarily need it at that time. So the decision to go from just volunteering to help to getting a license was easy, right? We're still going to do the same thing on the side and make some money. To go to become a broker was a bigger step. And for us, it was it was the, we had to do research. We had to make sure that we knew what we were going to be doing, running the back end of it. And then we had to be willing to commit to the time that it takes to own and operate a brokerage. So taking that leap was calculated. Every single step of the way was calculated. Sometimes it's because you have to, other times it's because you want to. Mm -hmm. That's good. It's a good way to, 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 I guess you would say, carpentalize that all that. So that's awesome. So that being said, man, 21 minutes has already passed. So it goes by really quick. So, you know, what is the other couple uh, keys to success? Maybe some mistakes that you want to admit 
or maybe uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that we were like always lining up to say that. But maybe another way to put it too is, um, what has been a big surprise that you're thinking, well, that never would have worked. I'm guessing that never would happen, but this is this actually happened, and this is why. Well, again, I'm a I'm a dreamer, right? So that every one of us as an entrepreneur is a dreamer. I always tell people, and I, I try and end with this anytime I'm talking to an entrepreneur or to a, uh, a crowd of people, you cannot be afraid to dream. Mistakes will be made. That's part of life, right? We fall down, we get hurt, we get back up, we learn from it. I said the other day to somebody, I said, a wise man learns from his mistakes. A wiser man learns from other people's mistakes. Being afraid of failure is probably one of the toughest things for entrepreneurs as well, right? Um, we feel like we hold the weight of the world in our hands, um, but you can't be afraid to fail. You have to be willing to dream. You have to take time to calculate it, and then you have to take action, right? Pray about it, plan it out, and take action. That last step is where a lot of people get paralyzed, right? They might think about it. They might pray about it. They might have a good plan. They might be dreaming for years, and then they get scared to take that leap. The worst thing that could happen still isn't the worst thing. Like at the end of the day, even if that was to fail, so what? The average entrepreneur doesn't become successful until after their fifth to seventh uh, venture, right? So if you're able to make it work on the second one, you're you're ahead of the game and you can't be afraid to fail. And that's that's probably about the best advice. And, and it's advice I tell myself on a regular basis because that's something I struggle with, the fear of failure. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. And a lot of times we're taking risks, but that's when we come alive. It really is when we come alive. And especially for new entrepreneurs out there, I don't know about you, but like if we can't risk it now and we don't have really that much to lose, then one thing about it, like, well, I have a lot to lose. I have my house, right? My, you know, things like that. I, I, I get what you're saying. But imagine when you have now 10 employees and if you can't risk something when you have just you to risk, now it's like we have 10 other employees. You're like, well, my point is that sometimes success actually stunts our growth of dreaming. Or, or coming, al- I, I have to call it coming alive. So for, for me, it's just that, you know, you gotta, I'm a huge believer that money doesn't change us, it magnifies us. So a lot of times if we can't do, the, if I can't steward what I have now, if I can't love what I'm doing now, it's gonna be really hard later. So if anything, if you're not where you are, want to be yet, you're not where you want to be in business, I think it's a huge opportunity to start honing. Again, we talked about before, you know, what are your principles? Who are you? What do you stand for? What's going to make you different? And we talked about that, Dan. So I'm actually stealing that from you. So kudos to you. And we talked about that yesterday on the phone about, again, learning from other people's mistakes. One of my favorite thing to ask is about businesses. What mistakes did you make? Not because I want to make them like feel bad. It's because I actually want to learn from their mistakes because I make them all the time. I can ask my wife, right? It's just like, sure, Dad, he makes mistakes every day more than he probably wants to admit. So I just think it's cool to learn so we don't just learn from our own. But that being said, uh, Dan, for those who really just connect with you, maybe they want to connect with you for a cup of coffee or something, what is the best way that you feel comfortable? Some people put their cell phones out, some people put their emails, some just people put, you know, the best way to contact them. Um, if someone wants to connect with you, what's the best way to do so? Um, email is probably the best. Um, I would say, of course, we have multiple companies, but probably the easiest one for people to remember would be info at homewiththehendersons.com. Homewiththehendersons, plural, dot com. That is our lifestyle brand that we're building, Home with the Hendersons, uh, which encompasses everything from family to real estate, everything that wraps around the home decor. But that is, um, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. You're welcome to call our, our office there, but if I'm in my office, I'm probably not working hard enough. So feel free to shoot me an email and I'll, I'll respond back as quick as possible. Yeah. So I appreciate you, man. I appreciate being, being a man of God. I appreciate you just, you know, this leading the way for a lot of us here and just uh, showing us through your actions because words can only go so far, man. 
So for our listeners out there, real quick before we let you go, um, don't forget that we have our, our networking event, uh, in-person networking event, September 18th. It's a Friday at 6 p.m. We're doing it at the Discover 716 uh, Event Center in Tonawana on Sweeney Street, right on Niagara Street. Uh, we're going to have a fountain of hand sanitizer. Actually, I'm kidding. There's no there's no fountain, but there will be hand sanitizer, my friend. So, Dan, any words of send off before we end it here? Just never stop dreaming. You know, small business is the engine of America and it's being hurt right now because of everything that's been going on. Encourage your other your other friends that are entrepreneurs, uh, your local businesses, support them. Get out there and don't don't ever stop dreaming. Don't ever let anybody crush your dream. Just just keep at it. I love it. In fact, it reminds me of my favorite book, Matthew Kelly, called my gosh, it's not not the bucket list. It's like so if you look up Matthew Kelly and put the word dream, Google will come right up. And it talked about dreaming every day, having a dream book and writing down your dreams. So a lot of times he'll do that while he's walking on the treadmill or something. And he talks about dream just makes people come alive. It gives them hope. It gives them reason. It gives them joy. It just gives them a reason to keep this, keep on, keep it on, if you will. So I love it, man. So anyways, that concludes our episode of the Western Entrepreneur Podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe rate it, give a review, make sure you share this, whether it's on social media or tag a friend that you think that should listen to this episode. We would just be stone cold honored if you did. So love you guys. If you loved listening to the Western New York Entrepreneurs Podcast and want more, subscribe to it and head on over to wnyentrepreneur.com for articles, what's coming up next, and to get involved. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.